and be seated. So we're, I, I feel a little bit, anyone ever see that, that movie Inception? Uh, it, it, was a, it was a really complicated movie that came out one time. Anybody, if you've seen that, raise your hand. Two of us, three maybe. Um, uh, and, and so it, it, it was one, that the whole kind of idea of Inception was like a dream within a dream kind of thing, if you remember that. The rest of you need to go home and watch that. I watched it, uh, I actually had seen it before, but we were on a trip to Ethiopia, so 17-hour, um, uh, actually maybe that one was like 15-hour plane ride uh, on the same plane, and, and there was a mission team that was going with us, and, and so I was talking with them, we're getting ready, and, and this was like a ways back, so they didn't have the cool little digital, you pick whatever you want. You could pick one of like three movies, and, and so I heard... Um, some of the teenagers talking on the mission trip, uh, talking about that they were going to watch Inception. And I turned around and said, have you ever seen it? And one of them said yes, the other one said no. I said, oh, it is good, but you, you don't want to get up. You don't want to miss any of it, or you will be lost, lost. You won't know what's going on, because it's a really complicated movie. And so we're, we're watching, we're going through, I'm watching mine. All of them, the movie started at the same time, and, and so we're, we're going along. And about the last 20 minutes, they came on and made an announcement, you know, on the deal. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's a bummer, you know, that kind of breaks the continuity. And the movies didn't start back up. And I turned around, and I looked, and that one poor little girl was like, no. I said, I, said, I don't know if it's going to help you out any or not, but the last 20 minutes, everything starts making sense. You don't understand a thing until the last 20 minutes. And, and you know, this is a 15-hour plane ride. You know, we got a couple. That happened two more times. And both times, the last one, I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> they were probably selling copies of it as you, you get off for $80, you know. So, so I said all that to say that we're, we're doing a series entitled Blueprint, God's Design for the Church. It's a study in First Timothy, but we're doing a series within a series. So the last 20 minutes, you really need to pay attention. No, I'm kidding. Um, so uh, the, the little mini-series we're doing, uh, we're, we're applying this directly to our church because well, one of the things that, that I realize uh, is, you know, I, I'm a weird guy. I know you realize that too, but um, that, that I just, you know, I think about all the stuff, you know, that we do at the church. It's always on my mind. This is kind of the heart of, of a pastor who's always thinking about that kind of thing. Um, and, and so because of that, I think everyone else thinks just like I do. And that you guys walk around all the time saying our, our vision statement in your head. And you walk around and, and you have our, our mission statement posted on your mirrors, you know. And you don't have that? Uh, your screensaver is our strategy. Well, you guys need to get with a program. No. I, I, realize, I realize you don't think the way that I do, and, and, and so uh, one of the things that we want to do is, is to be a lot more intentional uh, about helping everyone get on the same page, about helping everyone understand. So as we're talking, uh, you know, Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor of a church in Ephesus, and, and as we're talking about that, I just wanted to take a little time and, and for us to talk about our context specifically, First Baptist Church, Clowcroft, and in the the wonderful cool mountains of New Mexico. If you're from somewhere where it's still 90 degrees, um, I, I learned growing up uh, in Texas to say, bless your heart. <laughs> um, we're glad you're here. Um, but 
what does that look like in our context? How does, how does all this apply to us? So we're, we're taking this little, this is the last one in this little mini-series. And, and so we began by talking about uh, what, what is our vision? And, and, and just to kind of uh, catch you up or remind you uh, of the terminology, uh, here's the way we talked about it. Vision really describes who we are. Uh, that, that's the way that we're talking about it. And so for us, our vision is this. It's Christ followers, that's first, committed family, and then compassionate friends. Let's see if we can say that together. Ready? Christ followers, committed family, compassionate friends. I would have been much kinder if I'd put that up on the screen for you, but it didn't. Um, so, so that's our vision. That's who we are. And, and I, I've said a couple of times already, sometimes it's really more like who we want to be. You know, that, that, that's really kind of who we see ourselves. That, that's what we're praying God will, will make us into. Christ followers, committed family, and compassionate friends. And then we talked about our mission. So if vision is who we are, then mission is what we do. That, that's what God has called us to do. That is the thing. If, if we have to cut out everything else, um, this is the, the one thing that we do. In fact, the way that we talked about it last week is, is what we want to, to realize, what we want to make sure is happening, is that everything we do helps us accomplish the mission that he's given us. So mission is what we do, and our mission is, we, we just made it a statement, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, right? So, so that's not just, you know, to, to use good, good Baptist language, get somebody saved. Um, so, so that's kind of what we do a lot of times, you know, they, they pray a prayer, we get them saved, whatever, you know, and then, then we just, woo, now we go to the next one. No, 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 we want to be sure, uh, really, that Jesus says it really succinctly in Matthew 28, we make disciples, and we want to do that. We want to be about making disciples. And, and so that means uh, someone who hasn't come to faith in Christ yet, we can, we can work on leading them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I said it last week, but, but just to, to remind you, do you know that you can disciple someone who's not yet a Christian? You ever thought about it that way? You can make disciples someone who's not yet a Christian. Maybe they're interested. Maybe, maybe they're, they're just a friend, an acquaintance, a relationship. Um, and, and you want to lead them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. You want them to come to faith in Christ. And what did Jesus tell us to do? He said, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's kind of bringing them into the fellowship. And teaching them to do, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. You can begin doing that was somebody who's not yet a believer. One of the things that, that I, I think uh, I, I think it would really help a lot of people out is if we were just to sit down with someone and say, have, have you ever looked at the Jesus of Scripture? Now, now I, I know you've seen Jesus on TV, you, you know, the Hollywood Jesus, you, you know, the, the, the poor reflection of Jesus that we are sometimes, but, but have you ever encountered the Jesus of Scripture? What, what if we just started with Matthew? Let's just sit down, let's just unpack that. You can sit down with somebody and do that. But our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You think you could handle saying that together with me? Ready? To lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I told you I'm weird. I think about this stuff all the time, and you're going to go home and put it up on your mirror. I know you are. That's our mission. And so we have a vision of, of, of 
God, this is, this is the people that we want to be. We want to be Christ followers. We want to be committed family. We want to be compassionate friends. And, and we know that this is what you've called us to do, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. But if we stop there, we didn't go far enough. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take my keys out of my pocket. Mainly because there's a hole and they're going to fall down in my shoe if I don't. Nothing like a little distraction here and there, huh? If we stop with those two, we didn't go far enough. One of the things, I'm just a real practical, just down-to-earth kind of guy, and, and, and I just want to know the, the nuts and bolts and stuff. How do you make this work? How do we do that? We can, we can talk. We, we uh, had, had a good discussion in Sunday school this morning. Some things are easy to say, but, man, how do you do that? Tomorrow, when, when I... When I when I walk out, you know, I go in for coffee or, or when, I, when I walk through the town, whatever I'm doing, how, how does that flesh out in my life? And so I don't want us to just stop with a, a vision of, of who it is that, that we want God to make us. I, I don't want us to stop with just the mission, what it is that we're supposed to do. We need to make sure that we understand the strategy. And the strategy is how we're going to do it. How, how do we do this? Uh, how, do we, how do we flesh this out? How, how do we... I say make it happen. We know God is the one that is in charge. But, 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 but how do we put that into practice? And so that's what I want us to spend some time today talking about is our strategy. And, and, and you know, we try to make all these really easy to remember. And so our strategy, the way that we word it is, our strategy is invest, invite, and do life through Christ. Can you say that with me? He's going to put it up there. Did I put vision? Oh, there here we are. Okay. Our strategy is invest, invite, and do life through Christ. You guys didn't even need the words. Do we have the words? I didn't put those in there? I'm just mean. That's what it is. It's in your notes. Yeah. Invest, invite, do life through Christ. Now, we need to unpack that a little bit. Because, you know, we can say that and we say, oh, you know, that's great. Um, Somebody told me, uh, there we go. I I did put that in. I, I, I don't remember what I put up there or not. Um, invest, invite, do life through Christ. Uh, John Maxwell said it, and he probably stole it from someone else, so I don't know who originated this, but just because it's hanging on the wall doesn't mean that it's happening down the hall. So we, we need to unpack this a little bit. What does that mean? Well, first of all, we're, we're talking about investing in people. Uh, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, one of the first things we, we need to learn how to do is invest. We need to invest in people. Now, I know, I know it, it's, it's, it means we, we have to probably do something different than what we've been doing. Anybody like change? Anybody? My wife likes it. She has a jar. Um, that's why I never have any. Not that kind of change. We don't like it. It happens to us. I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say... Uh, what the age is, but I, but I hit this age where my physicals changed again. Um, I'm still waiting to do that last part of it. Um, and, and so uh, that, that's one of the things I realized. I didn't have to do anything for none of this to happen. You know, I, I go, and, and they crack me up in the doctor's office. Are you in any pain? I'm like, yeah, every time I move. <laughs> but when I tell you, you don't do anything about it. <laughs> so... So what's the point? My knee hurts, my back hurts, my neck's giving me some problem, you know. And, and then they just move on to the next question. They don't fix it. I didn't have to do anything for that to happen. 
But we don't like change. It, it, it's hard for us. But in order for us to invest in the lives of people, it, it's probably going to mean we're going to have to do some things differently. It, it's going to mean that, that, that we're going to have to take some initiative. So, so let me just give you, let, let me give you three really practical ways, and these aren't the only ways, but three practical ways that you can begin to invest in someone else's life. Now remember, lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, that covers the gamut. That doesn't mean that you have to go stand on a street corner and, you know, preach. Um, you, you don't have to learn evangelism explosion or Google it to find out what it is. Um, that was supposed to be funny. Anybody remember that? Evangelism, EE? Yeah? Faith? CWT? CIA? No, it's different. Um, What it really has to do with, it could be someone who's already a believer. And you want to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. Could be someone who's not a believer yet. Could be somebody who's been a believer for 30 years. It, it doesn't matter. But, but we have to be intentional the way we do this. So here's one, one thing that will just help you. This is, this is a way that you can begin to invest in somebody's life. It, I know this is going to get really deep really fast. So you guys hang with me, okay? You can spend time with them. If you're going to invest in somebody, then you, you have to spend time with them. And you might be thinking, what if I don't like them? Pick somebody else. I don't know. Um, if God puts them on your heart, you better do it. Maybe God's wanting to work in you. Spend time with them. And, and I wrote down here Zacchaeus. Mainly because we probably would see things eye to eye, I'm thinking. Um. You know, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Um, <laughs> some of you singing the song in your head. I know you are. And, and, and here's the cool thing about Zacchaeus. You, you know the story, but it's just fun to tell. So, so Jesus, and he's got this huge crowd that's following him. He's got the, he's got the, the close disciples, the 12, and in some extended. And, and he's walking down the street. Zacchaeus, he's probably heard about this guy. He's probably heard a lot about Jesus. Probably have never heard him personally, though. And, and Zacchaeus is trying to see. He can't see over the crowd. I can relate. And, and so, so there's a tree. It's a sycamore tree we know from the song. And, and so... And, and he climbs up there, and Jesus is walking by, and he stops. And, and I believe he looked Zacchaeus right in the eye. He said, Zacchaeus, that's my paraphrase, come here. Jesus was Texan, I don't know if you knew that. Come here. I'm going to go hang out with you at your house today. Now, when I'm talking about spending time with people, you're not Jesus, I wouldn't invite yourself over to their house, okay? Jesus was a rabbi. He was a well-known and well-respected rabbi. And what he was doing was he was elevating Zacchaeus by coming to his home. And he went and he hung out with him. Now, we don't, we don't know that part of the story. The Bible stops, Zacchaeus got saved right there, you know, um, uh, but but I, I assume Jesus went on to his house, hung out. He spent some time with him. I, I mentioned to you before, the Apostle Paul, you know, the guy that wrote about half of the New Testament, Barnabas, three years he spent with Paul because nobody else wanted to have anything to do with him. They didn't like him. They didn't trust him. This was the guy that carried Christians off and they never came back. 
But Barnabas spent time. Barnabas invested just like Jesus did. And, and it might have only been a day. Maybe a few hours that he spent with Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus was changed. If we are going to invest in the lives of people, it means we're going to have to spend time with them. I just don't know any other way. Now, now we live in a wonderful world of technology. Uh, I, I had fun. I, I was away on a trip. And... Uh, um, Hoping I FaceTimed. That, that's a lot of fun. You know, see my hotel room. You know, you can, you can walk around and make faces, you know. Um, so you can spend time with people. It doesn't always have to be face-to-face. But I'm telling you, it's biblical to spend time with them with coffee. Especially if the guy makes it because he brews. Yeah, they don't get any better. Um, but by the way, I'm, I'm doing this for me, but... Uh, if you have the, the version Bible on, on your phone, um, we're there, and you can get the notes. You can go there and look us up, and I'm going to do that and say that real quick. Here we go. But you've got to spend time with them. I, I just don't know any other way. The discipleship isn't, it's not a class. It's not an hour. It's not a Bible study. You have to spend time with them. I don't know any other way to disciple. The second thing is this. You need to get to know them. <laughs> I know some of you are like, man, you were losing me already at just spending time with them. I got to get to know them? <laughs> you remember the woman at the well? You know, they're, they're going through Jesus. said, got to go through Samaria. The disciples are thinking, no, we don't. <laughs> Nobody has to go through Samaria. We can go around. What's another week, right? <laughs> And, and, and they did, and, and Jesus stays there at the well. The disciples all go into town, and the lady's there in the middle of the day. We know it's because she was shunned by society. Jesus has a conversation with her. You remember that? And the disciples come back, and they're like, oh, Jesus is talking to her. She runs into town. You remember what she said? She said, you guys have to come and meet this guy. He knows everything I ever did. Now, she was a woman of ill repute. Must have scared the life out of some of those men. Um, which I think is just funny. I just think that's funny. But here's, here's what impressed her. First of all, that Jesus would take time to talk with her, but that he knew her. He knew her. So if we want to invest in the lives of the people, if we want to to lead them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus and invest in them, we have to get to know them. It it takes time, and and that takes effort. And some of you are thinking, man, that, that could get a little bit messy. I have enough trouble just dealing with the stuff in my life, and that means I'm going to have to start dealing with stuff in their life. Yeah, it does. Choose wisely. No, but that's what it means. You, you have to get to know them. And, and then finally, if we're going to invest in them, it means that we, we need to help meet their needs. And, and on this one, I put the feeding of the 5,000. That doesn't mean you have to feed. There's actually more like 15,000 or better here. But, but you remember that, you know, Jesus, I, I love, the Bible's so much fun. It, it, I just read it like I'm there. 
uh, and, and as best I can try to, you know, let, let God fill in the, the gaps for me. And, and so here's, here, here are these people and, and the disciples, they were selfish just like we can be. And, and it's getting late in the day and, and there's like tons of people, probably about 15,000 or so people there. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, you know, Jesus, these people are probably getting hungry. I wonder who is hungry. Peter, go tell Jesus to send them away. We're hungry. We don't have enough food to feed them all. These people are getting hungry. You should send them away so that they should eat. Jesus goes, you feed them. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> if we feed them, we won't have anything to eat. And it was a need that they had. And, and, and of course, Jesus used this in an amazing way, I believe, in the disciples' lives. <laughs> I just have to say this that the deacons know there was one Sunday uh, in particular we had a, a nice crowd and we were doing communion and we pulled out the the bread I looked down I looked up one of the deacons he looked at me and I'm like loaves and fishes loaves and fishes <laughs> there wasn't much I don't know how this happened they came back with just as much as they took out the deacons did. We didn't have 12, 12 left over. But can you imagine? I really felt for those deacons. I was hiding in the back. Um, <laughs> as they went out, I don't, they never confessed it. I don't know if they broke them smaller. Um, but can you imagine? Can you imagine that the disciples, as is, is they're, they're going out and they're like, all right, you know. I'm thinking, you know, because 15,000 people, it, it, it takes us a few minutes just to do the crowd in here. I don't know how long it takes to feed a big crowd. Man, their faith must have been way out there by the end. But, but Jesus, it, he was helping the disciples learn, you, you just need to trust God and just meet their needs. And if we're going to invest in people, we've got to spend time with them. We have to get to know them. And, and we have to meet their needs. doesn't mean you have to feed them. But, you know, if you take them out to lunch, that's probably not a bad thing. Maybe, maybe they just need a friend. Maybe they need a teacher. And you're like, I don't know anything. Well, it means you've got to learn. Maybe they need someone who's, who's close like a brother or a sister who tell them the hard things. Sometimes. But we have to learn to meet their needs. It might mean you, you get some phone calls late at night. Early in the morning. I, I wouldn't give your number out to everybody, but but maybe for them you say, You you put me on there's no such thing as speed dial anymore, is there? Do you remember that? Um Siri, call, that's what we do now. Maybe maybe it means that. You make yourself a little bit more available for them than you would most people. That's what it means to invest. So invest, the second one is invite. Some of you are going, good, that one sounds easy. It, it actually is pretty easy. And, and there I'm thinking of, this is, uh, I put John chapter 1. This is when John the Baptist was baptizing because that's what he did. And, and he's baptizing, and Jesus comes and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God has come to take away the sins of the world. And so some of his disciples went to go follow Jesus. You know, that's cool. 
And they came up to Jesus and they said, where are you staying, where are you staying at? And he says, well, come and see. You know? One of them was Philip. <laughs> so Philip goes to his buddy and he says, man, we've met him. This is the guy. Messiah, the one we've been looking for. And he says, where's he from? He says, what's Jesus of Nazareth? He says, really? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, he, he totally stole Jesus' line. Can you believe that? He said, come and see. Come and see. It takes a personal invitation. Did you know that like 70% of people who go to church for the first time go because someone invited them personally? The church that I came from was, was a larger church, and we used to do, it got bigger than this, but we started with a 10,000-piece mailer for uh, Easter. And, and we would have, to save a little bit of money, you know, at the post office, we would sort everything and get it all, you know, in the little code areas and stuff. And So we had a big pizza party sorting thing, label thing for all these. 10,000 pieces we had to do that with. And we, we mailed those. We had good fellowship, and the pizza was okay. Um, but after that, I found out that 70% of people come to church for the first time through personal invitation, not through a mailer. <laughs> personal invitation. It means we have to invite. And, and, and so here's some of the things you can invite them to. You can invite them to church. Invite them to a worship service. Some of you are going, what? Yeah, here, let me help you. See that thing there? I want to make sure I grab the right one. It's a little card, and it says, you're invited. And it has First Baptist Church Cloudcroft, and it's got our Sunday school time and our worship time and our website and our address. Hey, you come to church with me next Sunday? You're my... If you do, I'll take you out to lunch somewhere. You got... A lot of time to wait because those Methodists get there. <laughs> we'll beat them today maybe. I don't know. And, and you're thinking, oh, that's just weird. So? We're, we're weird anyways. We may as well be weird in public. Invite somebody. Do you go to church anywhere? I, I was hanging out with some pastors and pastors talk about weird things. And so we're talking about that and one of my favorite things to do is say, you go to church somewhere, and, and this is some of the pastors from down the hill, some of the bigger churches. And because people tell me that, I'll say, yeah, I go to worship center. I go to Christ Community. I'm like, really, what's the pastor's name? <laughs> what's the worship leader's name? Ask them, do you go to church somewhere? And No. Hey, you know what? I want to invite you to come to church with me. I'll save you a seat. Don't tell them there's plenty, but <laughs> I'll save you a seat. You can invite them to worship service. Is that offensive? I don't think so. You can take them out to lunch afterwards. That'll smooth it over. <laughs> you can invite them to a church event. So let's see. What, what do we have coming up? Mm. Oh, next Sunday. Uh, Toby King is going to be here. He's... He's an illusionist. He 
spits fire. He's a ventriloquist. Uh, it's really neat. It's really fun. The kids will love him. The adults do too. Uh, I don't know if he's going to jump in that big balloon thing. You saw his head sticking out. That's just funny. But invite him to a church event. Was, we're going to have a, a lunch afterwards. You don't have to bring anything. I'll bring a little bit extra for you. I'm not telling you this. You can tell them this. <laughs> just be me and my ham, right? Invite them to a church event. Invite them to a personal event. You're probably thinking, what in the world is that? Invite them to your house for dinner. Maybe invite them out for dinner. Birthday parties. Quinceañeras. Some of us were at a quinceañera yesterday. I didn't dance, so don't worry. But invite them into your life. Maybe, maybe for you crazy people out there, I know there are some, maybe somewhere along the way you invite them to follow Jesus. This after you built relationship with them. Although, sometimes that works. Uh, two days before um, I, I gave my life to Christ, the weirdest looking, nerdiest dude that I knew in that little church got in his car. We we're going to go see a movie called Chariots of Fire. That lets you know how long ago that was. My cousin and I sat in the back seat. That was offensive because nobody else was in the front seat. <laughs> he looked me square in the eyes and he said, are you saved? Worst witnessing technique ever. You know what? Worked. I lied and said, yeah. And then I had to figure out what that meant. <laughs> Invite them. Maybe to follow Jesus. Have you ever thought about, about, thought about giving your life to Christ? I don't know. If you ask them, maybe they'll say, yeah. And then finally, we invest, we invite, and then the last one, uh, do life through Christ. What does that mean? <laughs> life on life together. That, that we just get involved in one another's life. And you may be thinking, I don't want you involved in my life. Well, tough. <laughs> we get involved in one another's lives. Acts chapter 2, I love this. I love it. This is right after Pentecost. Peter, I hate to say this out loud, preached like a 15-minute message. 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. I'm not Peter, so we're not going to do the 15-minute thing. Um, come for a devotional someday. And right on the heels of that, this is this passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And they who believed, and all who believed, were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were doing life together through Christ, weren't they? And it says the last verse, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that cool? They couldn't get enough of each other. 
Some of you are like, man, I got a ways to go. We, yeah. They were hanging out. They were eating together. They were worshiping together. Uh, one of those breaking of the breads is referring to the Lord's Supper. They, they were having communion together. And, and, and they, they like went nuts. They were, they were loving one another. Isn't that weird? <laughs> so much so that if anybody had anything, you know, we're all like, I don't know, I have a lot of extra money hanging around. They didn't either. They sold their stuff. They're like, oh, you need something here? Let me sell this here. I'm not saying we have to do that, but loving, they were loving on one another. They were serving one another. Isn't that cool? Do you need something? Is there something I can do for you? And they were growing together in their walk with Jesus. Together. They were taking a journey together. You ever feel like you're like, your walk with Jesus is just like you and him, nobody else around? You ever feel like that? It doesn't have to be that way. I mean, it's a personal relationship with him, but we, we're, we're on this journey together. That way, if somebody stumbles, there's someone there to help pick them up. If somebody starts falling behind, there are people who can gather around them and help them along. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound better than just going it alone? If, if we were going to head off through the forest with no phones, no GPS, no compass, no maps on a cloudy day so the sun can't even guide us, I want to go with all of you because if we can't find our way, at least we're together. <laughs> if I trip and fall and break a leg, three or four of you might be able to carry me together. We're, we're in this together. And, and that's the way that I believe it's supposed to be. Loving one another, serving one another, growing together in our walk with Jesus. So, so here's the big idea. Here's the thing. In order for us to carry out our mission, that is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to be involved in the lives of others. We, just, we have to be. There, there's no Lone Ranger Christian. God didn't make it that way. You know, We're called the body of Christ. We're called the household of God. He, he meant for us to do this together. And if we're to fulfill the mission that he's called us to do, it means we have to get involved in the lives of others. We just have to. And, and that's uncomfortable sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> the bottom line is this. Being involved in the lives of others means that we have to put forth some effort. It's going to take some effort. We've we got to move from where we are to where they are. It's going to take initiative. It, it means that, 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 that we, have to, we have to do something. It doesn't just happen. I know there was a period of time in our, in our United States uh, in, in the 50s where, man, if you built a church, they would come. And, and, and the church was the center of the community. And, 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 and so most people, the vast majority of people, would come to faith in Christ just given the opportunity. They, just, they, they would just come and hear. And, I mean, revival breaking out everywhere. We don't live in that world anymore. Did you know that? The, the experts say we're in, this is really weird, we're in a postmodern world. And I'm like, are we in a futuristic world? But I know what they mean. But we're in a post-Christian world. The United States is a post-Christian. 
Christian nation. So it means it takes effort for us. It's going to take time. Some of you are like, oh, you lost me there. <laughs> I don't have any time. I'm still, that some of you like me, God sends a gentle reminder that winter's coming. When you get up and it's a bit chilly. There was frost. How many of you got up early enough to see the frost on, on your, your cars this morning? The rest of you slept in, lucky you. And I've got wood to split, and I know what's going to happen. I, I, I'll be, I'm working on it, and I'll, I'll keep working on it. But there's going to be that three-inch snow where God's saying, Larry, you better get on it. Because, man, trying to find time for stuff like that, I mean, it's not snowing yet. It's not too cold. I got some wood already split. I got enough for October, maybe. Who has extra time? didn't see a hand what that means is that it's going to take sacrifice if we're to do what God is calling us to do to lead people into a life-changing relationship and our strategy the way that we plan to do that is invest in people's lives invite them into ours and invite them along in a walk with Jesus and then do life together so we can grow together in a relationship with Jesus. You can't do everything else and do that too. And some of you are saying, what, you're asking me to give stuff up? Yeah, I won't tell you what. God will. But Jesus made it really clear all along the way, that to be his disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, was going to cost. And we live in a world where it doesn't cost us a whole lot, does it? You ever been made fun of because you're a Christian? You ever lost a job, maybe, because you're a Christian? Lost some friends because you're a Christian? How about family? It's going to happen. I don't know of too many people in the United States who lost their lives because they were a Christian. It might cost you your time. It might cost you doing some of the things that you like to do. I'm pretty well going to guarantee it's going to cost you your comfort. <laughs> because as we begin to invest in, in, in the lives of other people, we get involved in their stuff. Some of you are like, I don't do drama. I don't either. Why would I get involved in somebody else's drama? Because if we don't, we're telling them, when you get it all figured out, you come to me and I'll, I'll tell you about Jesus. And that's just not the way it works. I don't know if it worked that way with you. It didn't work that way with me. I was a mess. I, I, I heard that. Somebody thought you still are. I, I don't know who it was. And you're probably right. That's how we come to Christ. That's how we have to go to them. We invest in them. We invite them into our lives and invite them to come along in a relationship with Jesus. And then we do life together through Christ. Just life on life, on this road together. I like that a whole lot more than just going it alone. But it's going to cost. It takes effort. It takes time. It's going to take sacrifice. Let's pray.
Lord, I just ask that you would just encourage our hearts. I don't want this to be one of these messages that we're like, oh, you know, I just feel guilty. Uh, we know that, that you don't bring guilt, that you bring conviction. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that, that you, would, you would just convict us, move us closer to you. And, and God, it, I, I know that to do what you have called us to do, it's going to cost us. We, we, can't, we can't do our own thing and then just plug you into it. We, we can't do our own thing and then just kind of fit, you know, making disciples into it. God, I pray that you would help us to center and focus our lives on you. And the one thing, the one thing you've called us to do, the mission that you've given us is to, is to make disciples, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. God, would you help us? Would you help us align our lives toward that? As a church, would you help us to, to, to make sure that everything we do is geared toward leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus? And it's going to cost us. Lord, would you, would you just help us to learn to just give up some stuff? Would you help us learn to surrender Surrender my desires to your will. Surrender my wants to your will. God, even surrender my preferences to your will. Help me remember, that's what I'm here for. I'm not here for me. I don't even belong to me anymore. I belong to you. So you get to pick what I do. You get to pick what I keep and what I don't. You get to pick who I invest in. So God, would you just do that for us? Would you just help us to surrender all that we are and all that we have to you? We can't do it on our own. We can only do it if you enable us to. So God, we're just asking that you do that. In Jesus' name we pray.